All right, so uh, church, the, the first Sunday of the month, not only is it Family Sunday, but it's a time away from our uh, series. We take a break from whatever we're in. We're starting Galatians next week, but I want this to kind of like jumpstart us into um, Galatians. And, and if you have any friends that have ever been hurt by uh, religion, now religion's good, right? That's, can I get an amen on that real quick? Just, religion is good. Um, there's a, a lot of misconception where it's relationships greater than religion. And I agree, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you've not surrendered to him, then you cannot be saved. But the Bible talks about religion. It says good and pure religion is taking care of the, the widow and the orphan. We know that Jesus, Jesus was very religious. He went through not just the religious motions, but particularly the, the inner uh, religious action of actually worshiping and praising his, his father, right? He taught us that these things were important. It was important for him to go to the temple. The Bible teaches us it's important to gather together as the assembly, the church um, gathered on the Lord's day. We're not to forsake that. We're not to forsake fellowship with one another, breaking bread with one another, all these Things right, but but if you've ever had somebody hurt by um, religion in the legalist sense that they were they were hurt by man-made rules um, placed on them and on their head and on their shoulders, which Jesus set us free from, then invite them to join us next week and for the next couple of months because Galatians is all about that. Paul is rebuking those who have added to the gospel. And this is what, why I want to start here um, and start out January 1st of 2023, right here talking about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Now, we've done this before. This shouldn't be anything new, but this is so important because what we do as Christians, we tend to separate the two of those, right? We, we tend to fall in the category of one or the other, and the Bible doesn't teach us to be heady people or, or service people alone, right? That, that we would either be uh, people who go out and serve with our hands, and we're just loving, we love to practice and live like Jesus, but we don't really need to know or learn what the Bible says. That's orthodoxy is, is sound knowledge. Orthopraxy is sound practice, right? Praxy, practice. Um, that, that we have sound understanding and also sound service as we go out. That we actually have to live how the Bible says. We can't just say that we know it. Now, we usually fall into one category or the other, and you probably already figured out maybe where you land, right? You, you love to study and you love to, to learn, but you don't really love to go and to live it out, or you love to live it out and not study. But the Bible tells us that we need to have uh, a good understanding of both and a healthy balance of both also. Um, so I just want to just set us up here um, from 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, it's something that we don't want to do, um, and all of us know that, right? But we need to actually enact this, that there is a time, and that time has, has been, the time is here, and the time will continue to come where people will continue to turn their itching ears. Now, that's not just to liberal thinking. That's also to ultra-conservative thinking, to the legalist thinking, right? It's so easy to look at that and be like, oh, well, this is about those pastors that, that say that homosexuality is okay. And it's like, it's not just about that. It's also those who are, who are putting a burden that Christ set us free from on people's shoulders. You, you turn to itching ears because you'd rather just follow the, the politically conservative instead of the biblically conservative route. Those are the things that we ought not to be 
uh, turning to. So let us be in an attitude of prayer as we think about this, how we ought to have sound understanding, but also sound practice as followers of Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you for this new year. God, uh, again, we thank you for the forgiveness um, that has been uh, placed on us as, as our sin has been placed on Christ on the cross. God, we know that everything has been forgiven, past, present, and future. And God, as we catapult into this new year, God, I pray that you would just use us for your service. God, would you just just show your image through us to the world around us. God, would we be good servants, faithful servants until the end. And God, may we rally around one another. Would we build one another up and encourage one another to good works and faithful practice, both in understanding, but also with our hands and service. So God, just lead us and guide us. And thank you for loving us. Uh, so much that you sent your son to die for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's start with orthodoxy. This is sound belief. Can everybody say orthodoxy? Orthodoxy. So this is sound understanding. This is sound, like when we talk about studying doctrine, it's important because we should have a proper orthodoxy. This is pretty much if you talk to um, a bunch of churches, right, what you would see is do they fall, fall within this realm of orthodoxy? Okay, now that means like have they gone like off the deep end? That's that's a pretty big circle when we talk about orthodoxy, right? Like you can believe a lot of things and still fall within orthodoxy. Your end times view doesn't um, necessarily change the way that uh, you're a Christian or not. Um, there's a big, big circle for that. And that's good, right? We believe that there are absolutely foundational things. Jesus being the son of God, right, is absolutely foundational. If you deny that Jesus is the son of God, then you're not a believer, right? If you deny the Trinity after it's been explained to you, that's like denying Jesus. It's also, no Christian does that. We don't deny the Trinity. We have a tough time understanding the Trinity, right? But we don't deny the Trinity. We do not deny um, creation. We believe that God created all things. Uh, there's, there's plenty of other things that we know that are foundational. But then there's this big circle that says, hey, if, if you believe this, you fall within orthodoxy. I may not agree with you, but that's, that's sound. You can make an argument from Scripture, and it doesn't alter the gospel. It's not going to send anybody uh, to hell. So that's what we're talking about here with, within orthodoxy, and it's very important to us. A lot of people ask, is it an important thing? And I want to contend yes, and I hope that after we leave here today, we would contend yes also. Because what will happen if we don't, then we'll just be people of practice, right? We'll just be people who like, go and live and love like Jesus. But the only way we know about Jesus is from his word, right? What does the Bible say? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. That we know that from the scriptures. That's why we must um, uphold and maintain um, the authenticity of the scriptures. It's important. Many of us will be comfortable resting, resting on the simplicity of the gospel message without considering the implications of the gospel message. And I hope you all understand that. We'll, we'll rest in the simplicity. It's easy, right? We're sinners. Um, all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we're separated. But Jesus died so that we could be reconciled. It's that easy. Just believe in, in Jesus, right? And that's, that's as, as simple as it gets for us. But we don't consider the implications that if we were once dead and then we were saved by that beautiful, simple gospel message, it is simple, uh, and we don't consider the implications, and we've just completely disregarded the gospel altogether, that Jesus has made you a new creation, and as a new creation, you are to be a source of life to those around you. You are to be obedient. You are to be an image bearer of, of the likeness of Christ, not just the image, right? We all bear the image of God, the Imago Dei. 
but we need to bear the likeness of Jesus, and that comes from his word. We understand it from his word. The Spirit is sanctifying us by God's word. So this morning, I want to focus our eyes and ears on the scriptures and the importance of growing in sound knowledge, and I'm going to start here, kiddos. Uh, we'll start with a sword drill in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Don't run. First one in the aisle just gets it. We, we've been there. We've done that. Saw some hard hits in the football games last night. We already got it. Dexter. Oh, nor, oh nor about She thought about it. She thought about it, Dex. All right. And if you want, you can grab a, a ring pop out of there real quick while I read this. So this is uh, from 2 Thessalonians. It should be on the screen also. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through, the sanctific- through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Dex. Paul is writing to this church and encouraging them, right? We ought always to give thanks to God for you. He's thankful for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? He says, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. God had a plan for you, brothers and sisters, before you were born, before the foundation of the world, before anything was spoken into existence. He had his eyes on his people. And he says, he's first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the what, church? Truth. Verse 13 hits on that truth. Now, truth can be a lot of things, right? Truth is just being honest, right? But there's this sense, the scriptures, this word um, gives us this sense of the gospel. It's not just truth in a general sense of like whatever truth might be. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, right? We know that to be the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the sense that we get here um, in in Paul's uh, writing to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 13, truth, the gospel. We get the same sense of the word in Romans 2, 8. So this truth is so important that he says it's what saves you. Belief in the truth. Belief in the gospel. That's what saves you. Right? Remember, we're thinking sound thinking, sound knowledge, biblical, uh, sound biblical theology, doctrine. Right? We're looking at that. And belief in the truth. And we know that we get the truth from the word of God. And we're saved by belief in that truth, but also to those who don't believe in that truth, they are condemned, Romans 2, 8. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Again, that's not a general sense of truth. That is the gospel message, truth, good news of Jesus Christ. Those who do not obey the truth, the gospel, but obey unrighteousness, self-seeking, self-made attitude, there will be wrath and fury. God's wrath and fury will meet those who do not obey or surrender to the gospel. So what this does, church, this, this is laying the foundation. This is telling us that the gospel, that God's word is very important. There's importance to this gospel. It is the truth. So when the world wonders why we get up on Sunday mornings after we were probably up super late, anybody up past 3 a.m.? Can be honest? Yeah, oh man, anybody up? You were working, right? Yeah, hey, no, don't, don't. If you all wanted to be up later than Gio, you're not gonna be. Anybody up past 4? Man, is that Joe? Joe, 
I feel for you, though, right? Michigan lost, Ohio State lost. This isn't a knock. I, I came in kind of wanting a, a little bit of a begrudging message because, you know, Michigan beat us, and, but we, we both felt it. So you guys were up late, and people wondered, why would you get up and go to church? It's January 1st. Jesus will forgive you for not meeting. He forgave us last week. Two weeks in Rome, probably, you know, just, just let's like walk a, a line here, right? Let's, let's be gentle, right? Why would Christians do that? Because it's important. The gospel message, the good news, has implications not on today or tomorrow, but our eternity. So we know that it's important. We know that it changes not just the way that we think, but the way that we live. And we're not there yet. We're still in orthodoxy. But it's so important. We know that this message means so much for our souls. And, and when we go and we carry it, we know that we need to be careful with how we present it. Not that, that we could sound wise or smart, but that we would relay the truth of the gospel to those who desperately need it. It is so important. It's the same truth that saves and sanctifies God's people. John 17, 17. Can one of the kids bring that up? John 17, 17. Dexter, did you even get one? No? Oh, you can come back up. When you did that, though, I thought, I, was, I can't do that. I didn't know what you wanted, Josh. All right. John 17, 17. Thanks, Lincoln. You can grab one, too. All right. John 17, 17 says this. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. It's, it's one of my favorite verses. It's, it's what Jesus is praying for his people. Father God, would you sanctify them in truth? And what is that truth? The word. Now we know that the word became flesh. We know this to be Jesus, right? But it, it's the word. This, we believe this to be living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is truth. It's the source of life. And we must uphold it. And, and we must learn from it. It's not like, hey, let's just defend and say like the Bible is our only source of authority, right? It's sufficient for all things. But we're not going to read it or care about what it says. No, it's so important that there's nothing in life that you're going to come across that you don't need or can't learn about from the Bible. I was talking to um, a pastor one time, and he was contending opposite of, of our belief, that the Bible is just a source, one of many sources, right? And, and he was contending as, as a Christian, as a, a potential pastor. And we were talking about this, and he says, I mean, does the Bible talk about like how we should interact on Facebook? And I'm like, literally, we're going to be so technical to be like, did John write in the gospel about what to say on Facebook? No, he talked about how to use your words, right? And, and we've taken that, like, because it doesn't talk about Facebook, we can just be absolutely atrocious people, like ungodly. We can be mean to people. We can tell people how we really feel on Facebook. But to their face, hey, New Hill Church, 10 a.m., right? no. Be gentle and kind and gracious with your words, but stand on truth and be bold. But we've, we've taken, like, just because it doesn't mention Facebook, we can just act a certain way there. Like it doesn't talk about how to drive and how to, to, how to act or interact or sign to people on the road so we can just throw up whatever signs we want on the road, right? No, it tells us how we ought to live and act and breathe in all of our life. Another sword drill, Titus 1, verse 9. Titus 1.9. Won't be long, Ellie. You'll be bringing it up here. Yeah. 
All right, Crosby's got it. Grab a ring pop. Titus 1.9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Now, I was just talking about pastors. Listen to this. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. This is so important. The whole purpose for, for pastors, what we ought to do, and, and all Christians, right? We are to do this, to hold the word close and protect it. Hold firm to the trustworthy. So the Bible is, is trustworthy. Hold firm to it as it was taught so that he may be able to give instruction, to teach from it, to teach. This is what the holy, trustworthy word of God is saying to God's people. And rebuke those who contradict it. So anybody who is living or adding to it, that those who know it may be able to rebuke those who go against it. Titus 2.1 says this, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. This is one of the pastoral epistles, right? This is, this is what Paul is telling uh, to pastors. This is important for them, but church, it is also important for you. That whatever you're, you're teaching from the word, whether it be in one-on-one discipleship, group discipleship, when we're speaking in group and you have that moment to, to teach your brothers and sisters in Christ, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now we're talking about teach sound doctrine, teach the word of God, hold firm to the trustworthy word of God. How can we teach it? How can we know it? How can we love it if we don't spend time in it? And I'm not talking about just reading a few verses here or just cruising through as many books in the year as we can, but actually sitting down and what's a topic that you want to study, right? You want to, you want to study what the Bible says about the Trinity? Then sit down, go to openbible.com and they have like all the verses that like talk about the Trinity and you can do that. Just do a study, start writing notes down, whatever helps you, but learn and grow. It's a strong reminder to those who teach to teach that which is right. Teach it. If you're going to teach it, you got to know it. I remember in, in high school, uh, we would get a sub every now and then. And you knew, like, some subs, like in high school, like, you're specialized in a subject, right? When this sub would come in, and you're, like, in science class, and you're like, this is an English teacher. And we're going to find out here very soon. And they say, open up to chapter 12. We're going to be learning about, like, Tell me, because I don't know. And I'm like, hey, what do you teach? Like, what, what's, your, what's your main subject? And they're like, math. And I'm like, this is science class. They, they put you in here. And, and you feel for them, right? Like, I remember being like, yes, we don't have to do anything today. But, like, I really felt bad even at, like, 16 years old. I'm like, they just threw you into the wolves. Because science class, everybody's already rowdy, ready to get under the showers, pretending like, you know, like we, we got some kind of chemical in our eye. And we were always ready for one of those moments. And then they put a math teacher in the science class. It's rough. Right, But teach what you know. And, and if you're going to teach it, you've got to know the scriptures. Don't be like the math teacher caught in science class. We talk about Jesus, but we really don't know him. Right? If, if relationship's going to be greater than religion, then you've got to have that relationship with Jesus. Be in it. Be in that relationship. Love the Lord with all of your being. 
Ephesians 4, uh, one of you kids, can you bring that up here? Ephesians 4, verses 13 through 15. Ephesians 4. Oh, you got it? Cool. Oh, it's a close one. Uh, Nora is going to get this. Nora's going to get this. All right. Ephesians 4, uh, 13 through 15 says this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. we got to grow up, right? And we talk about that, being a baby believer, right? Like our youngest is, is three now. She's just now getting potty trained. I'm like, Yes. I thought I was going to be changing a 15-year-old's diapers and like we were just we were getting too far into this and this was going to be a real issue, right? Like you expect your children to grow up. We as baby believers ought to grow up in the faith also. And we've got a beautiful family of those who have gone before us, those who are at the same level as us, those who are behind us a little bit. And that doesn't mean you're better than. It just means that we're at just different life stages in our spiritual faith. So how are we growing? So the question here out of orthodoxy is how will we grow in knowledge of our faith this year? What will you learn more about? Right now, like, be thinking about what is that thing that you want to know more about this year? Not, not about like the exercise physiology, right? Like right now is like a big exercise time. Um, but what are you going to learn more about God? What do you want to know more about God? What is it? What is that topic, that discussion, that, that doctrine? And have your goals, as you looked at 2023, that you, you, have, have, they, have they been more about you? Have your goals you've set reflected your devotion to God or a better man of yourself? Glorification of our Lord or self-promotion of ourselves? You see, because what we believe affects how we live, orthopraxy. So the second point. What, what we know to be true from the scriptures, what we say that we believe, we enact it. Everything. There's, there's nothing that you can say that you believe out of the Bible that you can't enact and shouldn't enact. Like whatever you believe. Now there's things that are within orthodoxy that don't fall on the shoulders of every Christian. Now you can believe something to be true from Scripture. You can have a conviction and someone can dispute it with Scripture. But because it falls within orthodoxy, you may have two different views on that and still be Christians. But if you believe it, you must enact it. Do it. Now, your salvation does not depend on, on every bit of nuance and obedience at all times. We know that we're sinners, right? We know that. But if we believe the word of God to be true, if we believe a doctrine, then enact it, practice it. Be faithful to the holy, trustworthy word of God. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 15 through 17. One of you kids bring that back up. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15 through 17. Oh, we got it already. There we go. Thank you. You can grab a ring pop out of there too. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. 
Ephesians 4, I'm collecting Bibles up here today. I'm going to have a stack. I'm not a very tall guy either, so anymore it's going to be up above me. So uh, Ephesians, or, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 15 through 17 says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God of our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, good and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Here you go. Thank you. It says, Family Sunday, I love it. Now may the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God of our Father, God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, listen to that, and good hope through grace, comfort and establish. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Like the two were so closely associated that, that the word produces work, that, that we would be established and rooted in good works. And church, I, I, want, I want us to hear this this morning, that, that the word in you, the word being spoken to you now, the holy word of God, not my words, but God's word, let the word in you produce work out of you. That's what it should do. The word in you should produce work out of you. And it's simple, right? Like we, The gospel message and the sanctification of God's people is simple. If you believe something, if you believe Jesus is your Lord, then live it out. If you believe the word says something, then live it out. If we believe, kids, listen to this, kids, if we believe the Bible says that we should be kind people, what should we do? Be kind people, right? And there's got to be something to kids' hearts that are so precious because my thought is, is people should be kind. No, we should be kind. All of us, each and every one of us. I look at people and I'm like, you should be kind. The, the Bible says so. I'm like, oh, I should be kind too because the Bible says that we should be kind and gracious people, that we would speak the truth with boldness but with love and grace. It's simple. Now listen, here, in, in, in Paul's uh, letter to the Christians in Rome, the first 11 chapters, he is just hitting on theology, right? Orthodoxy. Believe this, 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 and this. He just hammers home all kinds of deep theology. And you like read it, the first 11 chapters, and you're like, oh man, that's just so much to take in. But what does he say in Romans 12, 1? This is the last sword drill. Last sword drill. Kids, Romans 12, 1. They just keep it in your hands, Kate. <laughs> poor, poor Nora. Oh, come up, Nora. Come up. Come on. Thank you, Marlo. All right. She doesn't want the sympathy. All right. Romans 12, 1 says this. Again, after all that theology... After hammering home what we ought to believe, he turns and says this. This is the transition in chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, therefore, because of everything I've said, all the things I've said, let me appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Thank you, Marlo. You can grab a ring pop, too. He's appealing to them to be faithful, not just in, in what they've learned, but how they live it out. 
And it's so easy to get caught up in all that doctrine. Like a lot of us, if we love Romans, we love it starting in chapter 12 on or chapters 1 through 11, right? It's either the orthodoxy heart of us or the orthopraxy heart of us. But we ought to apply that which has been taught to every bit of our lives. And then in applying it, it is our sacrifice, our spiritual worship to God. You see, it's not just here on Sunday mornings that we're worshiping God in song and in, in, in word and in spirit, right? Like, it's not just here. It's in everything that you do. That's why Paul says, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything ought to be a reflection of the goodness of Christ in you and through you. And praise be to God for it. He turns there, it's the transition, and he focuses their minds down to their hearts, that their heart would receive that which has been learned. And that when our hearts are truly changed, after we've grasped that which has been taught, it changes our heart and reflects itself through our hands, the way that we live. See, Christians, we, we typically, myself included, me particularly, probably more than anybody, we, we, I, I learn a lot, and I feel it, right? Like I'm like emotional. I'm like, man, Jesus died. He's, he's my God. And then I go and do things with my hands that are the very things that pin Jesus to the cross. And I'm like, why would we do that? And I would contend that it's because we're just not putting in the effort. It, it's simple because you can, you can look at people to the left and the right, in front of you, behind you, wherever, and each and every person here is at a different walk or maybe somewhere at the same walk of life, and they can encourage you, but we don't take the time to call and have those difficult conversations. I talk to friends, I'm like, you know, just dive right in. You know, I have friends all the time tell me like, hey, that's personal. Man, you know, you're going there, right? I'm not calling anybody out by name. I'll look at you, though. And they do that, right? And I'm like, it's not, is that personal? I don't even know anymore. I just want to get to know, like, what's going on in your life? What would you get for Christmas, right? Like, it's just simple stuff. But we need to begin having those conversations. And then in those conversations, maybe some of us are having them, but are we redirecting and pointing to the hope and the glory we have in Christ our Lord? taking those moments to, to practice and enact the doctrines which we have learned. We know that, that Jesus sets us free from sin and captivity, but when people tell us that, that they have anxiety weighing them down, do we say that, that Jesus says to come to him and he'll relieve you of that? He'll free you of the anxiety that this world just seems to like, capture you into? And we can't get away from, we cannot get away from good works. We can't get away from orthopraxy, doing the right thing, living it out, and acting the doctrines in which we've learned. James talks about this over and over and over. He talks about faith without works being dead. We've, we've gone through James as a church. Many of us are familiar with um, the passages. If I can get there. Never going to get there. James 2.18 says this. I should have done a sword drill. That's what I should have done. For the kids, they would have brought it to me quicker. James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. 
But what does James say? He says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This was not Abraham's salvation. This was proof of his salvation. There was another part um, there in Genesis where Abraham was justified and it was accounted to him as righteousness, right? This was because of his righteousness. Because we are believers, we live and we act and we breathe differently. Breathe the same air, but our breath and our lungs is to glorify God in all that we do. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, we're going to be taking communion here in a minute, but I want to end here again. What are you going to commit yourself to learning about God this year? Like, what do you want to know more about? Maybe that's the question that we we should ask ourselves instead of how many books of the Bible can I get through this year? What do I want to know more about? What are we going to commit to? And then how are we going to enact it? How are we going to live it out? Now, my first challenge to you would be, hear this and go out and invite someone to church this week. I guarantee you, you know somebody who's been hurt by man-made religion, and I would just contend uh, or just encourage you to, to go out and to invite them to church and to join us through a series where we're encouraging one another from God's word, saying that God's word is serious. It shouldn't be taken lightly. But if you've been hurt by man-made religion, then we're sorry we are. I'm, I'm so sorry when I meet someone who's been hurt by a Christian because they've added to the gospel. And you know what Paul says? He says, let them be accursed, those people. Those who add to the gospel, why? Because it hurts and it turns people away from the place where they should be healed and not hurt. Invite someone this week. That's the first challenge. But ask yourself, what are you going to learn and commit yourself to? This year, what are we going to do, church? How are we going to see Medina shining brighter and the darkness being pushed back further by standing on the truth and going out and sharing it? How are we going to do that?